Well, I do invite you to take out your Bibles this morning, opening to Psalm 127, as we continue this morning, uh, using the Word of God to unify our hearts together, to pray with one accord this morning. And Psalm 127 will be a a great help to us this morning as uh, we come together like needy children. We come together as uh, imperfect children. We're we're fighting, we're battling, but, uh, you know, just like my own children, you know, they're constantly in need of their parents. And so, too, we with our Heavenly Father. Psalm 127, again, we're in the Songs of Ascent. The pilgrims are making their way to Jerusalem. They've now made their way to Jerusalem. They're in the temple. They're worshiping, and these are the songs that they're singing to their God. They speak of their heart and their need for God. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for He gives to His beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Well, this is a very popular psalm that's been used many times. You know, speaking of the, um, uh, the priority of the family and, and of parental responsibility. And, and that's certainly one major application of Psalm 127. But... For our time this morning, I want us to focus upon more uh, of the broad understanding of Psalm 127 and what's going on here. You notice this is a a song of Solomon, kind of a unique authorship to this one. This is assigned to King Solomon. And as he's writing, we know a little bit about the background of Solomon, his wisdom, his riches, his power, uh, his authorship over the book of Ecclesiastes where he talks about the vanity of life. He's been on the mountaintop. He's experienced it all. And yet he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And it's that guy who's now writing this. And there are three basic activities of life that he speaks of here. He speaks of, in verse 1, building a house, construction. Secondly, protecting a city. There again in in verse 1, the second part. So security. And then in verse 2, rearing a family. Right? Parenting. So he speaks of three broad categories that are for the most part, common to every person, right? Construction or labor, security, and family or parenting. And, and these three things really are, it's not that he's just these three things only. They're representative of all of life. Parenting, labor, construction, security. And his point is, all of life really is fruitless apart from God's own help. Now, that may sound so duh, but let's read more a little bit about what's going on here. Our efforts in this life with regard to construction, security, parenting, your work, your job, your labor, securing your family, securing your life financially, parenting, your relationships, all of those things, no matter how much effort and wisdom you pour into these things, are effortless and restless and fruitless apart from God's blessing. That's that's kind of what he's getting at here. That's the message of verses 1 and 2. 
unless the Lord builds this house, all who labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman, he stays awake all night in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. So we see again Solomon using this idea of vain. Right? We've seen it in the book of Ecclesiastes, but this is different. It's a different idea of vain. Again, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says there, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And what he means there is the best stuff you can get your hands on in this life, all the riches, all the prestige, all the accolades, all the, um, uh, the wisdom, the knowledge, the sinful perversions, we'll, we'll, we'll stop at that, all, all that you can get your hands on, all the best stuff that life can offer to you and you can take, apart from the Lord, it, it may satisfy you in a moment. It may put a smile on your face in a moment, but it will not satisfy. Longingly, it, it will not satisfy going forward. And that's the point of the book of Ecclesiastes. But we come here, it's a different kind of angle on the word vanities here. It means here, you can throw everything you've got into your job, everything you've got into securing your life, your family, your finances. You, you, you just, you're, you're a control freak. You're going to take everything, the bull by the horn. You're going to pour everything you can into your family. And still, you will look in the mirror at the man or woman looking back at you and realize, for all the best I've been able to do every day of my life, I'm still not content. It still hasn't produced what I wanted. I'm still not satisfied. I've worked like a beaver, if you will. And yet still, I have no peace. I have no comfort. I have no satisfaction. So, what do we do about that? Well, that's exactly what Solomon is doing here. He says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord when it comes to building or construction or your labor, your job. Trust in the Lord for your security. Trust in the Lord when it comes to your families. Well, that's all well and good, but how? And the answer is, it's through looking to Jesus, looking unto Him. It's through what Paul calls in the New Testament our union with Christ. That thing that he talks about in some of his letters, that we are in Christ, or other places he says Christ is in us fantastic language to talk about our oneness, our union with Christ. And the idea here is that when the Holy Spirit comes and enables you and I who have prior to this rejected Christ, rejected His Lordship, rejected Him, when that Holy Spirit comes and gives us a new heart and enables us to repent, to see Christ for who He is, to see God for who He is, to see ourselves for who we are, and to repent and to profess faith in Jesus Christ. He does that through uniting us with Christ, to bringing us to Him. And because we're united to Christ, when it comes to our jobs, or when it comes to securing our lives, or when it comes to our families, rather than putting forth all of our strength and energy on our own into those things, we trust in the Lord with all our heart. It means we come and we say to the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we are in union. King. 
We come to You and out of Your fullness, out of the greatness and glory of all that You are, would You give me the ability to do what You did? There in the Garden of Gethsemane when You sweat drops of blood and You Yourself prayed, if there be any other way than this, Lord, let's go that route. But not my will be done. I trust You. I'm about to take the full weight of the sin of the people I've come to die for, not just one time, a composite, a compendium, the fullness of that sin upon my holiness. If there be any other way, but not my will be done, your will be done. What is Christ demonstrating there? Trust in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord is not you and I pulling up our boot, waking up in the morning today, I'm going to do better. It is owning up to the reality today, I'm not going to do better. I can't do better. No, I have all the resources I need in Christ. And it's going to that king and saying, just as you trusted God all the way to Calvary, will you enable me to trust the Father when it comes to my job, when it comes to my family, when it comes to securing my life and my family's life? Because I am weak. I am frail. I can't do this on my own. Out of your fullness, would you supply to me what you were able to do? Because there is no other way. And I think that's part of what our union with Christ is all about. Not just so that when we go to heaven, we can, or when we stand before God, I'm in union with Christ. I get in. Man, thank God for that. But union with Christ is also for that in this life, we can appropriate the fullness of our King and live in dependence upon Him, for in Him and through the Holy Spirit filtering Christ into our lives, we can live lives full of grace. How do we do this? Looking to Jesus. That's the message from Genesis to Revelation. Looking to Jesus. Gazing to Him. If you're looking for strength and grace this morning, we receive it in Christ, when we are in communion with Christ, when we're in fellowship with Christ, when we're carrying on constant spiritual conversations with Christ, when our eyes are on Christ, when we're loving Christ more than anything else in the world, when we're trusting Christ, when we're treasuring Christ, when we want to be like Christ more than we want to be like anything else in the world. That's when we can fulfill that Proverb, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. That's not just a, all right, let's do the best we can today. That is plug into your union with Christ and made by grace what He's been able to do. He's the only one who's ever trusted in the Lord with all his heart. He's the only one who's been able to do that. So as we come to worship this morning, we echo the words of Solomon. If the Lord doesn't build this house in my life, in my family, in my job, we've got no hope. Therefore, we gather together like needy children and we cry out to our God.